lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you would like to let us know who you are and what you think about what we think, email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for me on the free speech alternatives to those platforms on Parler, MeWe, and Gab. You can also look for clips of the program unedited, uncensored by Big Tech at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, you also may be looking around and realizing after, I don't know what Dementia Joe was trying to say yesterday, but basically we've gone from hands up, don't shoot, which the Obama Justice Department admitted never even occurred, uh, that meme, though, we are still confronted with that, even though it never actually happened. We've gone from hands up, don't shoot, to hands up, don't nuke. Um, <laughs> these are some crazy times, folks. And, and that is why when you live in a country and culture in disarray, as ours is. So we've got uh, Fauci putting out through the White House now, uh, scariant panic porn on the Delta uh, scariant. Our friend, ACE researcher Phil Kirpin, accompanied that, uh, that spot with the actual data from the UK on the Delta variant, which shows it is anything but scary. They just lie all the time. And these are the people that are going to make decisions about um, what the cost of goods and services that you and I need will be who we can even purchase them through, frankly. Uh, They will make decisions about uh, that will end up pertaining to and contributing mightily towards our wages, how far the, the dollars we earn actually go, how strong the dollar we actually make really is, our own purchasing power, values of our homes, IRAs, 401ks, That's why when you're in times of tumult like this, people look for things that have stood the test of time, like gold and silver. And you can do that right now with the highest rated firm in the country, given an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau with thousands of satisfied clients. It's our friends over at Hartford Gold. Don't wait. Call them now. They've got a uh, a special offer for you. Now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order with them, up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order with them at 866-959-3011. That's 866-959-3011. Or you can text my first name, Steve. Text Steve to 65532. That's probably easier. Just text Steve to 65532. Coming up on today's show... Um, At the bottom of the hour, we've got three non-political questions. Top of next hour, because clearly I want to have even fewer friends for Theology Thursday. You know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm I'm going full DeSantis. I'm just riffing now, okay? We're we're letting you ask me questions about eschatology, provided you put gas in the damn car first. We're letting you ask me questions about eschatology. Now, why not, dude? Let's just clear the room and tackle predestination. Uh, so that'll we'll do that next hour. Uh, also, we'll take a look <laughs> over there. <laughs> uh, 
the camera didn't catch that, but Todd's over there right now. Hail Marys are next, okay? Um, but uh, then we will tackle critical race theory from a Christian perspective. I saw a story in the Christian Post today, a Tulsa pastor is urging churches to come forward and pay reparations for the massacre that happened there 100 years ago. And, and I just think that's unbiblical to the core. Unless you contributed to that directly or the approval or covering up that, of that event, that tragedy, um, monstrosity directly, I, I think that's just unbiblical to the core. That, that the narrative of the Bible actually is not reparation, but repentance, redemption leading to restoration. So we're going to get into that coming up at the end of the program as well. But before we do, of course, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by It's Just a Tool. This is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, in front of a congressional panel yesterday. On the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually. And it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? Yes, critical race theory, the ideology that posits all people with white skin have something inherently wrong with them is merely a tool for understanding white rage. Not to worry, though, because our commander-in-chief would never use the military against his own citizens. The Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. And now a question. It's a question many have been asking on Twitter for the better part of the last week. Who is Ray Epps? If you'll recall last week, Revolver had an explosive expose outlining the curious number of unindicted co-conspirators involved with the events at the Capitol on January 6th. Ostensibly, one of those unindicted co-conspirators is an Arizona man named Ray Epps, who's seen on a video circulating this week from January 5th, on the streets of D.C. saying stuff like this. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to say go, I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the up, Boomer. To the Capitol. As a side note, you'll see standing right beside him is none other than Antifa activist John Sullivan, the one who, the next day, would film the murder of Ashley Babbitt inside the Capitol building. Back on January 11th, the Arizona Republic was able to get a hold of Epps, who informed the publication his attorney urged him not to speak publicly about the matter. Epps, despite the aforementioned video of him egging on the crowd and more video showing him the very next day being one of the first individuals to race past the barricades and into the Capitol, has again not been charged. I'll just leave that right there. 
One person who has been charged and pleaded guilty to unlawfully entering the Capitol was sentenced yesterday and will avoid jail time. It's Anna Morgan Lloyd, the so-called Indiana grandma seen here viciously stopping for a selfie while waging insurrection, faces three years probation and 120 hours of community service. Now get this, according to the Huffington Post, Lloyd's court-appointed defense attorney had her client take a makeshift remedial studies program on American history as she awaited her trial. Part of that remedial course was viewing documentaries like Burning Tulsa. Lloyd subsequently all but apologized to the court for being white. Speaking of targeting citizens, the IRS last month rejected a Christian nonprofit's tax-exempt request. IRS-exempt organizations director Stephen Martin wrote in the rejection letter to the organization Christians Engaged, quote, Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates. This disqualifies you from exemptions under IRC Section 501c3. And now is the segment on the montage called, If You Think Twitter's Bad, You Should Get on TikTok. The Twitter account Libs of TikTok is filled with videos of progressives just opening their mouths and letting hell come out, like this teacher right here in our own backyard. Today is the first time our country has recognized Juneteenth. It's a national holiday, and yet I'm getting ready to go back to school in the fall. And my governor has put into place some ridiculous legislation that many governors across the country have put into place, such as I can't teach anything divisive, I can't teach critical race theory, and I can't teach about racial equity. So, teachers, in the past, we've been activists. After this show of last year, we really need to stand up and do what's right for our kids right now. So, this is a call to action, teachers. We gotta stand up and fight for our kids because this is bullshit. That's Megan Gia. She's a special ed teacher at Des Moines East High School, one of the largest high schools in the state. If that wasn't bad enough, more of her videos depict her showing off her witchcraft gear, including incense burning in her own home made out of her dead ancestors. Learning the dark tongue of Mordor today, today's phrase is, she is legion. Not to worry, though, because your kids will always get wholesome content from shows like Sesame Street. Okay, everybody, everybody, I want you to meet my brother Dave, Hi. his husband Frank. Hi. And finally, John McAfee didn't kill himself. And that's what happened while we were away. Oh, boy. Um, Aaron's montage is, uh, is brought to you by our friends over at uh, Patriot Wine. And maybe you could use a glass or five uh, after watching that montage every day. Although yesterday's, yesterday's I found uh, encouraging. Uh, today's I found not awesome. Uh, but uh, if you'd like some awesome wine, Patriot Wine, uh, if you love steak, barbecue, red meat, red wine goes great with red meat. Also helps to digest red meat as well. Patriot Wine is also loaded with the lab tested, you know, back when we still did science. Uh, nutrient known as resveratrol, and it uh, pops up in so many studies when it comes to longevity, heart health, brain health, up to 10 times the level that you would typically get in a day. You're going to get uh, in just uh, a, a glass of this wine. Uh, that also tastes great. We've all tried a bottle of Patriot wine, uh, notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke because it's imported foreign wine grown at one of the highest altitudes in the world. 9,000 feet is where they grow these Malbec grapes in Argentina. So if you want high caliber imported wine, but at uh, American uh, working class rates, 
this is the place you want to go. PatriotWine2021.com is the website. PatriotWine2021.com. They're giving you 50% off their best Malbecs and 50% off of the shipping. So 50% off both the product and the delivery when you go to PatriotWine2021.com. I want to touch on a couple of things now in Aaron's montage. First of all, uh, this guy has the most impeccable timing I have seen. I'm going to be 48 years old here in about a month. So I've been on this earth for almost half a century. I have never seen anybody with more impeccable and better timing than this Antifa activist from Utah who managed to trek the thousands of miles. That's nearly across the entire country, by the way, from Utah to Washington, D.C. He managed to trek that entire canvas called America. And he not only just so happened to be right there shooting the video of the murder of Ashley Babbitt. I mean, the the tens of thousands of people that were there, maybe more than tens of thousands. And somehow he just managed to navigate. It's truly remarkable that he just managed to navigate that sea of humanity and find himself there. I mean, Wuhan for luck again. And just happened to find himself there while Ashley Babbitt is murdered. I I just... Being lucky like that in life once is astonishing. Right? It's the Where's Waldo of progressive children's literature. You yes. know, when they win history, they're going to make the books and they're going to have pictures. Can you f- spot this guy in the crowd? He'll be everywhere. It's like Forrest Gump, man. He's just, yes. you know, uh, he's, he's just uh, he's just running. Just just floating on the wind. Yep. Oh, it just happens breeze. to, you know, it just happens to be places, right? And then lo and behold, I mean, we have been be uh, cosmically impressed with this gentleman's just happenstance as it relates to January 6th, already just on the Ashley Babbitt murder front, right? But now you find out that he also just happened to be right next to an unindicted co-conspirator of the January 6th um, uh, insurrection who also just happened to be one of the people organizing the storming of the Capitol while not getting charged for it. Now, there's more on this Ray Epps thing that that he shows up at an Oath Keepers banquet I saw. So there's two ways to look at it. Either this guy, I mean, this guy could be lucky. Or yeah, it's possible that um, he's legit and <clears throat> and is trying to keep a low profile. It's, it is, we don't know. We don't know. It is possible he's legit. Uh, he's a legit uh, uh, Trump fan that was that's now trying to avoid prosecution. So he kept a low profile and went back home to Arizona, right? And realized I better get some legal representation. That's that is, that is absolutely not crazy. It's possible, yeah. right? The other tale would be that he was one of the people the feds sent in to infiltrate an organization like Oath Keepers. And that's why he was there that day. And that's why he's an unindicted co-conspirator. There's no way of knowing which is which. Okay, and I think for that process you have to let that just play itself out i'm far more concerned with uh the forrest gump of antifa who just 
magically comes from the bowels of Utah to successfully navigate a, the, America's version of the storming of the Bastille. And he just happens to keep being in the right place at the right time. I mean, how is this guy with, with his nose for news? Why is he not the, the next MSNBC muckraker right now? Why is he not? Well, he was, wasn't he? Didn't he get paid by MSNBC? Uh, for, yes, like as a... For as, some footage. Yeah, for, as a contractor. Yes. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, like on the staff. Uh, uh, why, why isn't he like combing through the tax records of every corporatist donor that ever gave a check to the GOP for Mother Jones right now? Because this guy... This guy, man, has he's a, he's got a nose for this. I just happened to be there. All the way from Utah, I just happened to be there when poor Ashley Babbitt got blown away. And then I just happened to be there when Ray Epps, an unindicted co-conspirator and, and oath keeper, he's apparently the only member of that organization that isn't sitting in a D.C. jail cell that went out to D.C. at the moment, uh, I just happened to be there telling people, hey, I think you should, you should, you know, go into the Capitol. That, that's what we need to do here. Here's a follow-up question, too. Did that video that you shared, did that come out just yesterday, that video of that uh, Ray Epps fellow? No. No. It's been In fact, I, se- I sent you that video. How many days ago was it I sent you that video? Well, I first saw it on Friday, I believe. Yeah. Over the weekend. Boy. You'd think they'd be in a real hurry. You know, given how ruthless this was and how much of a threat this was to democracy and how we almost destroyed the Constitution, I mean, we've got a guy on film openly saying, we got to go into the Capitol. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of surprised old Ray Epps, the feds haven't knocked on his door by now. Maybe they have, but I don't know. This would seem to be that if he was indeed on the up and up, and a real uh, a Trump insurrectionist, you know, it would seem to me that they'd have knocked on this guy's door by now. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know. Well, if they do get to that, I'm quite certain the next uh, video or picture we're going to see is him or the Utah guy posing next to an F-15. Because I'm reliably told by the president <laughs> that it can only be an insurrection if you have an F-15. Exactly. <laughs> well played. Um, that was so well played. I don't even know what I was going to say next. That is, that is very, very well done. You know what? Here's what I think. Let, let's take a step back from the specifics of this. Don't trust a single institution in this country. None of them. The ground is bad. The ground is bad. Don't trust a, don't give any institution. And when I say any, if you look up the word any in the word Greek, what, what, what in the original Greek or Latin or, or pig Latin or dark tongue of Mordor, um, the word any is translated as any, any, three, three letters. so I mean, I'm talking, I don't care if there's a cross out front. I mean, we, didn't we start the show? Isn't Tulsa like uh, Pentecostal Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't like Tulsa, Oklahoma, like supposed to be like the entire Pentecostal denomination? I mean, that's their Branson or something, right? And we got pastors out there now in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
demanding you make reparations for sins you did not commit. Oh, I don't care if there's a cross out front or a flag. Don't trust a single. But let me let me let me make sure I I I put a finer point on it. Don't give any benefit of the doubt trust to any institution. Give no trust that you cannot directly demonstrate has been justified by that institution. Give them, offer them nothing, nothing. Look at everything. I would look at everything at this point with, with suspicion, everything. And by the way, does that include our own show? Well, I believe we wrote a book that has more footnotes than pages. <laughs> Why did we do that? Do we think that you should just automatically just give us the benefit of the doubt if it hasn't been earned? No. Give nothing, no one, no institution in this country. The spirit of the age has it now in a vice grip. Case in point in Aaron's montage, that that grandma at the cat, they're trying to clockwork orange her. Yes, that's they're exactly what they did. open her eyes and making yes. her watch yeah. until she complies. Yes. Until she learns to love Big Brother. That's exactly right. Don't, 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 trust nothing. Trust nothing from an institutional standpoint. Nothing in this culture. I, the ground is bad. It, the, the, the spirit of the age has it in a vice grip. And um, the, the spirit of the age is the spirit animal of the father of lies. I mean, you just, I, I, I don't, how else to put it more bluntly? I, I wouldn't trust a single institution. None of it. There's a poll out today that shows Americans have the lowest trust of their media of any country in the industrialized world at 29%. That's still at least 28% too high. Because I don't even think you should just automatically give the benefit of the doubt to alternative or conservative media. Because frankly, a lot of our business model corporately, as an, as an, as an industry, as an entity, is responding and countering them. Well, if that ground over there is bad, then what are we countering often? That, well, that, that's where we just get into zero times zero, narrative times narrative. Uh, uh, yeah. Do your own, do your own work. And we have said so many times over the years on the show that self-government begins with the self. That's never been, probably, at least as long as I've been doing this, that's never been more germane than it is right now. You're just going to have to do a lot of this yourself. You just don't live in an era anymore. What's trending on Drudge? Drudge is rancid water. Just, I mean, 10 years ago, dude, five years ago. I mean, I got out of, when I left the cruise campaign, what did I say? We had everything going for us, except we didn't have Fox News. We didn't have Rush and we didn't have Drudge. Well, Rush has passed away. So Drudge is, is basically discredited. I mean, no one on the right talks about him anymore. And for nearly 20 years, that was arguably, and, and certainly at the very least in the conversation of the most influential platforms as an, as an alternative media. Trust no institutions that with the benefit of the doubt that has not been earned. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, 
and especially if words are never transformed uh, into deeds. I mean, we are we are so far beyond uh, mere talk. Uh, we we created a cult. I mean, listen, look at what we do. This is our our job is, is to talk, but. Uh, there's a sense that on the show, based on Steve's political activism, um, heck, why I tell you what is going on in my personal life in a local school district, it's because if, if you aren't willing to go out and bleed, to bear the cross, to engage the fight, this is not about book sales, this is not about junkets, it is about standing a post uh, and liberty uh, for liberty, the one that uh, the president of the United States currently says you can't do unless you have an F-15. No, we're seeing it all over. That's why Steve was so encouraged yesterday. You can do it. He's lying to you. He wants you to believe you can't do it without that level of power. You can do it right there in your city council meeting, right there in your school board meeting. And that guy yesterday said, no, you don't have to be nice to it. And quite frankly, you have got to be mean about it because the only language they will understand is you can't bully me. You try that on me. I promise you, you're going to get the worst end of that bargain. I mean, Aaron, we've got the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of staff one of two things is true either he's saying those things in order to keep his job which indicates boy that that's that's not a guy you want in a fight right okay i mean if he's that, that guy ain't standing up to the shy comms or the russians or 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 the next intifada if he cannot stand up to the woke ratio on twitter or he is a true believer either one of those outcomes give you any kind of a warm fuzzy and make you feel good about it at all He's trying to pl- have it both ways, of course. He's saying what we're just studying. It's purely, purely academic, like Tom Riddle. Uh, you know, purely academic. I want to <laughs> study the Horcruxes here. It's just, a, just, you know, just, just, just for fun, you know. Um, but he's trying to have it both ways. He's. I noted in the montage, he's saying we just want. We're just studying this ideology that says all white people, by virtue of being white, have something wrong with them. To figure out why all white people, by virtue of being white, have something wrong with them, it's it's circular thinking. And you're absolutely right. This is just another indication. I, I mean, once it's a one-off, twice it's a coincidence, three times we've got a trend. What about uh, 666 times when it comes to the military? What's that, Steve? Is that a trend, hmm. or is that uh, is is that something? Is that uh, systemically, if we want to use that word, that's is, a brand. That systemically, your brand. Yeah, and I think we know the answer to that right now. And all, along the lines of what Todd was saying, and and you were saying about uh, trust in the institutions, um, I I don't I I don't know why this popped into my mind. Just to give another Harry Potter reference, Steve at stevedace.com If you want to complain, um, <laughs> you know, I, at the end, near the end of the movie, when Harry Potter sees the final thought, the final pensive of, of what the end game really was for his life, his destiny, knowing that he had, he was, he was the final Horcrux. So he had to die. He had to be willing to die in order to save everyone else. And he got up, he went, made that long walk around the school and then out towards the forest, knowing that he was going to his death. Um, but also being comforted at the end, knowing that his his family and his his loved ones were were watching him as well. He knew that the cavalry wasn't coming. They could not come. His friends couldn't come. They were licking their wounds. Dumbledore wasn't coming. He was dead. That's kind of the attitude that we all have to have. The cavalry's not coming. Dumbledore's not there to do his uh, uh, incredible magic. It's on you. It, it's on you at the end of the day. And you have to just go in with abandon. 
to these to these arenas. And we're seeing that along the lines of what we saw yesterday. We're seeing that in in the local schools as well. That's the arena. That's I don't care where you are right now. That's that can be your arena. Maybe it's a little bit larger platform than that, but that's your arena. And that that's the attitude that we have to have. I, I don't really care. I have nothing to lose. Collectively we have nothing to lose and everything to gain by keeping the birthright of of America intact as much as we possibly can by our own uh, by our own efforts. So um, that's that's kind of the attitude that that we have to have because none of the institutions are there to help us. That leaves you only a couple of options, and that is, you know, I mean, basically David French has taken over the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, we're at the point now that U.S. Catholic bishops are are, are poised to defy Rome. Um, while David French basically took over the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, I, I just think, and this is, this is you're going to have to let go of nostalgia. And you're going to have to go, you're going to have to move where the food is. And it, and it might not be the, the memorabilia or the trademark or the brand or the relic or the patriotic symbolism that you are comfortable and accustomed to and were raised with that previous generations took for granted. We're going to need to be nimble and flexible. You know, a tree by its fruit. You're going to have to go where good fruit is being produced and reject the places that are making bad fruit, even if they're wearing things that made you feel warm and fuzzy in the past. We've been warning you about home title theft on the show here for a couple of years now. That's where cyber thieves find your home's title online, which is where most of our home titles are kept these days, and figure out a way using personal information uh, about you that they have uh, that maybe they can't steal your identity, but they can use this information to log in to where your, uh, your home title is kept, log in as you, and then sell your home to themselves, making it look like you did it via a quick claim deed. We've been warning you about this. Well, when you have a massive data breach, like Facebook just suffered 500 million accounts with personal information, addresses, names, locations, middle names, the kinds of things we use to identify ourselves online, that information now could be in the hands of cyber thieves, and you don't want to find out the hard way, like when all that equity is gone, that they did this to you. So take advantage of 30 free days of protection right now during this high-risk breach from our friends at Home Title Lock. Just use the code RADIO. Code radio at hometitlelock.com to sign up, get 30 free days of protection, hometitlelock.com, promo code radio. We will go heavy with theology next hour, but before we do, it's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. 
Yes, because we need a little break from whatever that was in the montage today. The Wiccan special ed teacher at one of the largest high schools here in, in our home state of Iowa. That was, that's absolutely nuts. Here's three non-political questions with three questions that I hope are not absolutely nuts. Beginning with question number one. Previewed this yesterday. You had 24 hours to think about it. Um, I, for one, didn't think about it much, but I am now. Uh, what is on your Mount Rushmore of man tear-jerking movie scenes? I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> I go first every time. You can go first this time. Oh. Just coming up with one is challenging. You want four right off the bat. Okay. Uh, the Passion has got to be. That would be on mine. I agree. Actually, that's also and, on and mine. That's like that scene, that movie just breaks you over and over and over again. I will say on the other side of the Lord's life, I've, I tell you all the time, but uh, the, the the nativity, it's just so beautifully constructed. Uh, and, and the end has got so many moving scenes. Uh, so uh, there's that. Uh, there is, oh, how about um, Kevin Costner at the end of Field of uh, Dreams, the catch. Can we have catch? Can we have a catch? That's a good one, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. And uh, fourth, I will have to say who's... Uh, God, there's some movie where somebody's... Uh, die- well, hey, I'll say at the end of... Uh, when they... Uh, at the at the end of uh, Endgame? Yeah, I, I think a grown man can uh, shed a tear at the, uh, uh, the sacrifice uh, there. Uh, uh, so, how about that? I like that. I'm good with all that. Um... I even thought about putting Endgame on my list, okay? But uh, the passion is definitely on my list. I think you have a strong list, actually. But I don't want to completely copy it. That'd be weak. Plus, I've got to put what is my clear number one. Uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan is absolutely on my list. Um, Scotty playing the bagpipes. Shout out. Um, so Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, The Passion is on my list. Toy Story 3 is on my list. And I always, the first three to me were easy. The rest of them, I, I could go a lot of different ways, including with some of the movies that you picked. And we talked about a couple yesterday that we thought were good. The Shawshank Redemption, for example. Um, I'm going to go a little bit, um, I'm going to go a little bit off the grid though, for the fourth one I've decided. Because I, I think this is arguably the best the best rom-com of like the last couple of decades no one talks about. And I think it's the most underrated film in this studio's catalog. I'm going to go with Pixar's Up. You had it? Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I, I I mean I I think from the opening montage of that film yeah. to the way that it ends mm-hmm. that you don't have a soul. Yeah, that that film is 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 almost in terms of tugging on your heartstrings without being schmaltzy or contrived yep. or syrupy that film is about perfect. Yep. Uh and I I do I really I think it's like the most underrated rom-com like maybe in modern cinema history, not just in the last decade or two, 
And I think it's the most underrated film in their entire catalog. It is a masterpiece, that film is. It so is. I'm going to put that on my list. I like it. Yeah, for me, it's passion up. I mean, that that opening montage, uh, you don't have a soul if you don't, you know, if you're not cutting onions uh, around that time. Say the end of American Sniper as well. That the, Oh, the, the funeral procession? Yeah. That's another good one. That yeah. one's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say uh, the Shawshank Redemption scene. So yeah. not a whole lot of uh, variance. There was the actually three. more, once I started thinking about this question, and I got a ton of emails about it too. There, there's a lot more material out there than oh, I yeah. thought at first blush, for sure, right? Yeah. Uh, question number two, what's the biggest non-political hoax you've ever fallen for? Um, yeah, it's got a... Um, Jim Harbaugh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it, it's got to be... I mean, this was such a huge event when we were children. It's got to be Geraldo Rivera and Al Capone's fault. I mean, there was so much talk about it. There was, although I could also go with the uh, um, the 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 Joss Whedon Justice League movie. That that might be the biggest hoax I've ever fallen for. Okay, but uh, I, I mean. It was, there was so much huge buildup. It's been, what, 30, 30 years, 35 years. That's still a running joke. It's still a meme. It's still a running gag for there was just nothing there. And despite all of the hype. So, you know me, when you ask these questions, I, I tend to want to go with the first thing that came to mind. All right. And the first thing came to mind for me that was not political. Because if, if we were, if we were putting in political stuff, I would just, uh, the last two years. Of everything, but um, from collusion through COVID, Stan. But I, I'm going to go with Al Capone's vault, just because I when I was when we were kids, man, there was so much hype around that, and in an era before viral media and everything else, everybody was talking about it. And Geraldo's presiding over it at the kind of the zenith of his career, and then there was just a no there there. Uh, the answer is journalism. Uh, I was I got in there. Well, that too. That's a better answer, yeah. probably. Yeah. Twelve though. years. Yeah. I was. Uh, I, I'm uh, Harvey. To uh, Harvey Dent. You know what's the line about uh, decent men and and undecent? We thought we could be decent yes. men in an indecent yeah. time. Yeah. Yes. I came out of there. Now I work here. I just flip coins and. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. That is a great. Rant. That is very nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm good with it. I prayed about it. <laughs> yeah. And you feel real good about yeah. where you're at right now. Yeah. Except in a half hour when we talk about predestination. Better <laughs> cross yourself again. Um, I, I have this weakness, although I have this weakness for um, for certain days of the year. I'll just back up. I'll just back up. The most recent hoax that I've fallen for, I was reading the story from Barstool. So my... You know, it, it, I, I had no reason to doubt it. And uh, it was a story about how, the, how in an effort to liven the game up a little bit, Major League Baseball is going to be introducing these targets. So for it, we're, seeing, we're seeing all of these games that are like 12, 15, 20 to 1, 3, you know. They're going to be installing targets all across the outfield decks, up in the bleachers. And if home runs hit those targets, 
then it's worth actually five runs, plus the runners that were on base. And uh, it was an effort to lar- liven the games up. They were going to be sp- sponsored by Target, so that's more revenue. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's really weird. I don't know why they're doing that, but okay, whatever. Uh, I, I didn't realize till like two days later that that was written on April Fool's Day, and I was reading it on April Fool's Day. Mm. I don't know if that's an indictment of me or Major League Baseball. I, I, I'm going to go with the latter because it makes me look a little bit better. I have fallen for the, the older I get to April Fool's Day. Like I'm aware of it, but then I just I forget about it, and that's another day. And, and you so just, I start you fall for the minute every yeah, time. Exactly. I one of the worst things I've ever done in my career. So today we were talking about this before the show. Today, not that anybody outside of Des Moines cares. Although if you like this show, you should. Because today is the 25th anniversary of when Sports Talk Radio debuted in Des Moines, Iowa. And that's how I got my start. Without that, I would not be here where I am today, which, of course, I'm sure there are plenty of people that um, would prefer of the, uh, the alternative outcome. But one of the worst things I ever did in my career that I felt in my sports talk career I felt very badly for is I used to do like an annual April Fool's prank uh, on the air. And so one year I did an April Fool's prank. And this is before we did ha- eventually have arena football come back. But that Kurt Warner, famous, wealthy, successful Iowan, had bought the rights to bring back our arena football team that we loved, that we had lost, and that arena football was coming back to Des Moines this fall or next year. And the phones went nuts, and, um, and during the break on the hotline, I get a call from a buddy of mine who's the sports director at the local ABC affiliate. He's like, hey, man, that was a great scoop. Now that you have it out there, I, 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 he goes. I I went live at five with it. I made sure to give you credit. Now that now that you throw it, but now that I gave you credit, do you mind? Let me know who your source is so we can do a full, a, a, you know, a, a fuller thing on it. You know, at six o'clock tonight, I'm under the gun. You know, it's it's, it's the afternoon right now. And I've I mean, my heart just sank. Was I this fe- on? Yes, I felt so bad, and I had to tell him it was an April Fool's joke. And there was like a long, quiet pause on the other end of the line. And I just, I must have said, I'm sorry, about 46 times. He's like, it's all right. Which means it was not all right. (laughs) All right. So I kind of learned my lesson, like for a year or two uh, after that. Then I kind of did other stuff. Question number three. What's the longest you'd wait at a restaurant for your food? Side for the note, food? Yeah. Side note, what would that food be if it was all a long wait? If it's a if it, it depends it depends to me on the caliber of the restaurant and the quality of the company. All right? So if I'm at a if 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 I'm splurging at a Fleming's or Ruth Chris or someplace like that or lo, more of a local place here we have called Johnny's um if the if if, if I've got nothing better to do and I know this is going to be a high caliber meal you know, I'll wait 45 minutes or an hour if that's what it takes because I know they're going to deliver, right? If it's not that level of a place, then it, then it's more about the caliber of the company I am with as opposed to how long the food takes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, to me, there'd be a ratio there. That is the exact right answer. And and further, if, if you are at a place that isn't one of those high-end places and it's taking that long... You should have concerns that go beyond wasting your time as well. Like, why exactly are these buffalo wings taking so long? Yes, yes. There's, I have health concerns. Yeah, what are they? What are they doing to them? You know, like, do you remember the movie Road Trip? Oh yeah. I I to this day I've not sent food back 
no matter how terrible, how bad it is, I was traumatized. We should do one one time, Aaron. Films from obscure scenes from obscure films that forever scarred you. The scene where they are where they send the dude sends his French toast back, right? And they and the and the chef like spits it and licks on it and rubs it on his crotch and then puts it back on the plate and says, "Here, here's what." And the guy eats it. That scene, dude. I've I, what was when that movie came out, 1998 or something. I've never recovered from that. To this very day, I have never sent any food back to a restaurant because I because of what that scene did to me. I can't remember any scenes I've seen in any movie that disturbed me after like five days ago, which is when you made me watch me abducted in plain sight. And now that's the only thing that disturbs me every day. What's your answer, Aaron? I would like, I would wait like an hour. I I don't really care. At like an actual sit down restaurant, I would wait like an hour and then that's it. I'm I'm done waiting. I don't care if it's Applebee's or Fleming's Steakhouse or, or any, I will wait like an hour. I think that's enough time, right? I think that's enough time. You're not worried if if the company's good. You're not even caring about waiting an hour at Applebee's. No. But if the company isn't good, isn't it? Doesn't Todd have a point? Aren't you wondering what what how what are they doing to that uh, that triple uh, appetizer combo? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how yes. long does that take? Aren't you a little worried about what they're doing to that food back there? Oh uh, yeah, but I mean, if they're going to do something to it, they're going to do something to it, no matter if it takes five minutes or an hour and five minutes. If you get my drift, so that's that's. That's not really a concern. Uh, does that alleviate your concerns at all? What he just said. If they're going to, fo- f- you know, food poisoning is going to happen. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, I don't think it's an either or. It can be a both and. You know. What prompted the third question, by the way? The bowels of my imagination. Uh, Crap, and, and, I got to get it, another question in here. I put it, the most effort into the first two questions. And it spewed forth that. Yes. Yeah. I've never even considered that question before. Have you? I'm kind of surprised I came up with an answer that I quick because I've never even thought about it. I think it. I was kind of hungry, too, when I wrote that question. So. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, we've all been there at some point where we're just like, do I, do I, get, do we get up now? Yeah. Do we just walk out? I mean, Ed, do we want to be, do we, is that the hill we're going to die on today? I have learned in the last, the last decade or so of living here, I just can't. I just, if I get poor service, I just have to accept it. I just, that the, the risk of blowback, if, if I, if I, you know, lean into somebody for screwing me over, that becomes a meme, a blog, you know what I'm saying? Because we just, we don't, we don't live in LA, you know what I mean? We don't live in a city of a million people Mm -hmm. where we can blend in and, and I have politically murdered too many people. I'm too... Even 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 now, I haven't been on local media in a decade. I still get stopped all the time. So, if we get terrible service on something, we just kind of have feel like we have to kind of eat it because the 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 collateral damage of confronting it often and, isn't worth paying and the as price. Long as people are trying, even if it it gets busy sometimes. I went yeah. off on a fellow patron at Casey's waiting for pizza because he was harassing the pizza guy. There was the line was. I just said, dude, you're a jerk. Shut up. They're trying. <laughs> That's a great segue to talking predestination. You're a jerk. And we'll do that next on Theology Thursday. Back with hour two, and we'll be losing some of you. We are sure after this uh, hour 
conclude. So we just wanted to thank you for the time that you did spend with us prior to this one. Uh, back with hour two here, live and on demand here on Blaze TV. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think, except about what's about to happen next. We don't want to know. Keep that to yourselves. But for all other things, Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D E A C E. And if you like the free speech alternatives, look for me there as well on MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. If you're looking for clips of the program, then you're looking for rumble.com slash Steve Day Show because they're unedited and uncensored there. So we would urge you to go there instead at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And then finally, if you are a podcast listener to the program, thank you. We're looking for you uh, to hit the five-star review and subscribe button on whichever podcast platform that you access through because those things help the show to grow and and thousands upon thousands of you have done those things for us already. Uh, We want to thank each and every one of you for that. Uh, Theology Thursday brought to you by uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. If you want to continue to have things like Theology Thursday over the free airwaves, supporting an organization fighting on the front lines of religious liberty will help you do that. They're, of course, representing poor Jack, the only cake baker in all of Denver, Colorado, I believe, for now the 19th time uh, in court. Uh, And they do this. They've done it for Jack the previous 18 times pro bono. They'd like to do it this 19th time pro bono as well, but that means they need support from folks like you. And so if you want to lend your support to poor Jack and others like him, uh, then you want to go to ADFlegal.org, ADF, A-D as in uh, David, ADFlegal.org slash Steve. You can give and donate there. ADF wins about 80% of the cases in religious liberty that they tackle uh, year round. ADFlegal.org is where you want to go slash Steve. Again, that's ADFlegal.org slash Steve. Coming up at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a look. I saw a story. I mentioned it already on the program. uh, A story over at the Christian Post out of Tulsa, which I I, I thought was like, you know, um, uh, Pentecostal Valhalla. Uh, But now apparently it's where you pay churches, pay reparations and urge members to pay reparations for sins they did not commit. And I just think that's unbiblical to the core. Uh, the, the Bible preaches a message not of reparation, but of repentance, redemption, and restoration. So we're going to talk about CRT, critical racist theory, and how it does or does not relate to Christianity. We'll get to that uh, or a biblical worldview at the bottom of the hour. But let us begin Theology Thursday on our really never-ending tour to alienate as many people as we possibly can. Uh, next week, we'll tackle boomers again. Just kidding. Um, but um, we'll tackle an even far more divisive subject this time. But I've, I've just decided, in honor of Ron DeSantis, I'm just going to riff now. Let's just go ahead. Let's do eschatology. Let's just let just tear every scab off. Let's just go, right? Why not? So saith the Psalms. Indeed, yes. All right. So let's begin. And and I, I decided to tackle this after we're getting a ton of great Theology Thursday questions, by the way. I mean, at this point, we could be doing Theology Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, if we wanted to. Okay. Um, this is from Camille, who lives in Pennsylvania. And, and she writes, I love you guys' show. Um, you guys are my new rush. That is high praise. Thank you very much. She says, one thing I'm struggling to seem to understand is the concept of predestination. I believe that God knows all, 
that he knows what decisions we will make. With that said, if we are predestined, do we really have a choice in life? Or is it that no matter what we choose, we were going to make that choice anyway? I don't know if this makes sense. Oh, Camille, it actually makes a lot of sense, which is why we have been very hesitant about tackling this in the past. (laughs) But I don't know if this makes sense or if I'm confusing you, but that's kind of what the concept of predestination feels like to me. Thank you for your time. So... I think I should share with you why I decided to tackle this topic with Theology Thursday, because I've got a half dozen other, I think, really pertinent questions sitting in my inbox we could have done, or we could have just picked something in the news, okay? One is I decided I'm I'm giving up being a coward for Lent, and I know, Todd, I'm several months late, but I've decided to better late than never, all right? So I'm going to start tackling more of the topics that in the past, from a theology standpoint, I have been hesitant to tackle, not because I don't mind discussing them or having opinions, but I get concerned that our reactions, in, in, while disagreeing with one another, our, our reactions to some of these topics don't necessarily put our best foot forward to people that we're trying to attract. Does that make sense? Uh, and that's reasonable. That they, There are some debates we have that drive us insane, and I think this is one of them, okay? But, but secondly... I am, even though I would identify as an evangelical, I actually hold tradition or history in a high regard. I just don't put it on, a, on, a, on the pedestal with the word of God itself. But I'm not here to be a 30-something or 40-something-year-old guy that says, well, let me tell you why everything you've ever heard about Christianity for the last 2,000 years is wrong. I, I don't agree with that. In fact, we often uh, end up citing church fathers or church history or things of that nature in our discussion here. You ain't known as Steve St. Augustine Dace for nothing. That's, I mean, I've, I mean I've, I belong to the fan club. Yes, indeed. Okay. That being said, this was a rare time. I am actually going to suggest... That much of, and, and when I say we, let me clarify who the we is. We, laymen, us. Not great theologians, not church leaders. I'm not either one of those things. I don't have any apostolic or prophetic calling. I'm just a guy that has a microphone in front of my face trying to work out my salvation with fear and trembling along with the rest of you, okay? I'm talking about we as laymen, all right? I'm not here to debate Arminius or Calvin or Augustine or anybody else on this topic. I'm actually going to defer to each of them as all being smarter on this than me. All right. I'm talking about the way that we discuss this um, as laymen. Let's start by articulating in a very general framework what I would suggest are kind of the three main views. Now, within these views, I'm going to try to do here in about 20 minutes what we have spent 2,000 years debating and written numerous volumes of books about, okay? All right. That means it's probably going to suck, okay? So I just want to warn you up front. When I say three main views, understand within each of these views, there are numerous distinctions and disagreements. But within these three main views, I'm not going to put names on them either because the minute you do that, people like lose their stuff, okay? I'm just going to articulate the views, all right? One view is that 
um, the that there's the ultimate sovereignty of God, and God and and that part of that ultimate sovereignty is the predestining of people to be saved, and then people to be um, uh, to not be saved. Okay. Within that viewpoint, though, there are different viewpoints and different distinctions. Another viewpoint is that that God sovereignly looked down through history at who would choose him and then chose them, basically. Okay? Uh, or, or he gives you free will, but he looks through history at your choice and works out his will um, in response to or reaction of the choices that we make. But again, there would be distinctions. Even within that view, people believe there's an ultimate view, like there's some things we cannot choose, that are we are not given jurisdiction to discuss that belong solely and exclusively to God. For most of Christendom, or 2,000 years, within those two camps, most people fell and debated. In recent years, a third view has emerged that, that says either God cannot know the future or he chooses not to. I guess, surprise, I mean, I, okay, whatever. Um, this is a view that has emerged, um, it's become more popular in recent years, which means it's probably the wrongest view of them all. Typically, whatever, whenever, whatever theological fad has emerged is usually uh, bad. Fad rhymes with bad, not always, but usually every theological fad is bad. All right. Hey, I thought of something. No, you didn't. Uh, you're just a heretic. That's not that that that's typically what we we end up finding out. Your fad just means, oh wow, Arius has a new Halloween costume. That that's really what it means. Okay, um, but that is kind of a new emerging view. What I find interesting is that the bulk of those three views are actually all arguing the same premise. First of all, I don't know how you can earnestly read the Bible and come to the conclusion it does not, at the very least, tilt or lean heavily in the direction of God's sovereignty. I don't, I don't know how you can critically read it. I, I just don't. It, it just does. I, 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 there's just numerous examples of this. Okay? Um... But if you look at all three of these views, the first view, which would argue for God's ultimate sovereignty in all things, including your salvation, doesn't that, that's pretty explicitly arguing in favor of God's sovereignty to the nth degree. So we don't, I don't think we have to unpack that much further. But even the second view, you are acknowledging that God himself has, alone has the power to look down into history. God himself has the power to shape and mold things that ultimately, if he can shape and mold events around our free will, then whose will is superior, even in that scenario? His. And then if you're arguing that God chooses not to know the future, then that's an act of his sovereignty in and of itself. Because he could know it, but he chooses not to. It's really only the view that says God cannot know the future that I would say inherently on its face, heretically, heterodoxically denies the character of God. 
The Bible makes it very clear God is omniscient. The other views, I think, have more, some of them I think have more merits than others, but I will leave it to people more qualified than me to debate that. They all, though, are arguing some variation or acknowledgement that God is ultimately sovereign. I think Camille and others that have these questions, because I did for a long time, I think the struggle we are having is we're asking these questions from the vantage point of how much of my autonomy am I allowed to retain? As opposed to how much should I trust the holiness of God? How much should I trust the wisdom of God? Here's why I think that is a very important distinction. If you're any kind of Christian, you have to acknowledge God's ultimate sovereignty in the fact that it was God who sent his son. It is God who actively intervened into human history. We did not, did we beckon him? Did we summon him? Did we do those things? No, this no. was not an incantation. Yes. Did we reach a level of holiness where God looked down at us and said, oh, they're ready for Messiah. Did that, did that happen? Quite the opposite. Long suffering. Yes. Recognition of brokenness. So, so already, if you're a Christian, God supernaturally intervened into history by sending himself to earth in the form of a baby. Then there's the point that Paul rests all of Christianity's central claims upon, which is, if Christ is not raised, then your teaching is in vain and you're all still dead in your sins. How was Christ raised? Did we, again, did we summon him? Did the disciples show up outside of the tomb and just say, you know, God, we just, if it was up to us with our free will, we would love it if Jesus had not died. And God reacted to that. He reacted to the free will of their, of their pious choices and said, I will therefore roll the stone away. Is that what occurred? No, they were too busy being terrified. Yes, terrified, law. given up, including, yes. including the first bishop of the church himself running and hiding. All of them scared, thinking they were next. Okay? So, so at the beginning, at the beginning... God supernaturally intervenes in the history to send his son. He wasn't beckoned. He wasn't summoned. We hadn't reached some level of knowledge or purity that called for it. At the end, God supernaturally resurrects his son. We didn't beckon. We didn't summon. We didn't reach some level of purity that called for it. At the beginning, God calls a shepherd in the desert named Moses. He wasn't, he didn't, Moses did not beckon God, did not summon God. In fact, God physically manifested himself in a form Moses could relate to, and Moses originally tried to reject it. Are you seeing a pattern here? The pattern is this. We're too far gone to summon or beckon God. And that, therefore, he has to initiate with us every single time, because we'll never initiate with him. We don't want him. He has to initiate with us. If you're a Christian, you should be very comfortable with God's initiation. We can sit here and debate the extent of it for sure. And I will again rely on people smarter than me to 
better unpack what that means. But, but I think often we as laymen ask questions on the basis of our own human understanding and then what it is comfortable with. Whether you think your free will is what, is what granted your salvation or you think God predestined you before the foundations of the world to be saved, regardless of which of those views you hold, if God doesn't, through his own sovereignty, initiate by sending Christ to earth and then by his own sovereignty initiate by rolling that stone away, you're not a Christian, whether you think God chose you or you chose him. Because there's not an opportunity for you to be one. It was God who had to initiate that. Did Moses climb to the top of Mount Sinai and said, you know, Jehovah, I've just, I've just got to slam an idea. What if we had like a law code or something? that you, Could you come up with that really quick and I'll just send it down to the people? I, I mean, I've got, could I put that in a suggestion box? Nope. God initiated there. Over and over and over again, it is God who must initiate. So I would urge everyone listening to this to be grateful for the sovereignty of God, to be grateful for the initiation of God. And then I would urge us all to check our own motives and why we are so preoccupied with this question. You know, the scriptures say that Christ set aside the fullness of his divinity in order to fulfill his earthly mission. One of the moments you see this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is sweating blood, an extreme amount of stress, but it's also because he understands. He is God. He understands he is the penalty, the debt that he is about to accrue, what he's about to take on. And he prays to the Father these words. Not my will, but your will be done. Why do we have a preoccupation with how much of our own will we get to exert? Because our will is fallen. Our will is bad. Even after we're saved, we want, desire bad things. I do. I did 10 minutes ago, all right? I probably will 10 minutes from now, if not sooner. And so will all of you. The problem with our will, even if it is free, it is a fallen will. The will is fallen. It doesn't want good things. We need a new will. We're in bondage to the old will. We need a new will. I believe we're asking the wrong question. Instead of debating the extent of the freedom of our fallen will, we should be instead discussing what is it uniquely about the character of a holy God that he keeps initiating with wretches like us. Let's say the five-point hyper-Calvinist, as I'll break my own rule by using a term, Let's say the five-point hyper-Calvinist is 100% correct. I'm not saying that. I'll let other people smarter than me debate those. But for the sake of my conversation here, let's say he is correct. If you 
what, what, what would God owe us? If you disagree with the view, now there are reasons to disagree with this view, okay? This though would not be one of them. Well, I just, I just think that just calls in the character, calls in the question, the character of God. How? What does God owe you, man? What does he owe you? I've got a, I got the answer for you. Results. Nothing. Doesn't owe us anything. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. See, I think we're arguing this from that vantage point, that we're owed something. I'm owed my choices. I'm owed recognition. No, you're not. Let me tell you what you're owed. The wages of sin is death. What's a wage? What you're owed. What you earned. That's what it means. It doesn't say the penalty of sin is. It says the wages is. So that's what you earned. And the worker is worth is higher. You earned that. That's what you're owed. <laughs> that, that's what we're all owed. We're all owed that. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace intervenes. And we got way more than we were owed. In exchange for what we were owed, which was eternal torment, death, punishment, separation, and torture in hell. Instead, a sovereign God offers us uh, eternal paradise, wholeness, completion, relationship with him. I don't know, man, okay? I ain't the smartest guy in the room. But that kind of seems to me, I can say I wrote a number one best-selling book. <sniffs> Stephen King's written like 30 of them, okay? So I, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but that seems to me to be like a pretty good offer. And it seems a little ingratish to be sitting around and after that offer was put on the table. I don't know, if, I, if, if my kids did nothing but disobey me, did nothing but disrespect me. Nothing but that. Nothing but disobey their mom. Nothing but disrespect their mom. And I put on the table for them, you know what? Everything you've broken in the home, everything you've busted at other people's homes, I'm going to pay all of that off out of my own pocket. As one great act of showing you that despite how you have treated us as, as your dad, I still love you no matter what. And their response back to me was, well, can I still break some windows when you're done? Or well, wasn't some of this kind of my idea to tell you to pay off my debt? I'm going to probably pull that offer off the table at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I think we're arguing from the wrong premise here. Our will is bad. Our will is fallen. God in his sovereignty, by the way, the fact that you have any will at all, any will to make choices at all, is an act of God's sovereignty. Can my, am I Lord over my children? Yeah. Can they drive my car without my acknowledgement? No. Without my permission? No. Now, when they take possession of my car, when I hand my kids with the driver's license the keys, they take possession of it and drive it. Are they responsible for the vehicle at that time? Yes. Yes. But, but could they claim that responsibility unilaterally? 
No. No, I had to grant it to them, did I not? Right. So I so that's even an act of my sovereignty as the father of the home. I gave them the keys. I gave them permission to take the car. So even though they are now in control of the car and making the choices of where it will go and will it arrive safely or not, could they claim and manifest that authority totally and completely on their own? No. No, I had to grant it to them, did I not? Right. So then even while they are acting freely of their own free will, who is still in charge of this situation? You. Me. And I don't know, man. Maybe you're all living perfect lives. Maybe you've made great choices. I mean, you've got it going on better than the smiling vicar of Houston there, smiling Joel. You're nails, man. You're just born on third and credited with a triple. You're making great choices all the time. Perfect. But for the rest of us that have nearly wrecked our lives or wrecked them and have wrecked other people's lives, we are absolutely thankful that there's a God who's ultimately sovereign over our freedom. Goodness, he gave us a little bit of it. And look what we did to this world. What would we do if we were the autom- if we were the in- if we were absolutely individually autonomous as we desire to be? What would we do with that? Well, probably about a hundred times more of what we're doing to this right now would be my guess. I just think it's the wrong argument. Because ultimately, the desire for a Christian is not to have free will. My life is not my own. I was bought at a high price. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm a new creation. Christ make, behold, he makes all things new. I want his will. My free will socks socks in fact you know what i kind of find every time i go back and do a bunch of stuff i shouldn't be doing or thinking a bunch of stuff i shouldn't be thinking guess whose will i'm exerting at those moments mine that's my free will at work what if we spent the last two thousand years arguing with each other as much about the holiness of god as we did the extent of our own free will. What would the arc of tradition and church history look like differently then? Guys, Jesus is the hero of the story. Not because he exercised his free will as God incarnate, but because he gave it away. He gave it away. That's why he's the hero of the story. The son of man comes not to be served, but to serve. He gave it away. The most powerful being in the universe gave his will away for you. Why in the world would we respond? By asking him how much of our will we still get to have. guys have any thoughts on that here before we close it out well uh the mistake you're making is a uh, that that you are identifying is a uh, pelagian one uh 
what about us we bring something pretty good to the table lord uh so this is not this is nothing new um but listen the fact that you're wrestling with this is something that means uh you are living something close to faith and not a forfeit you should not want it to go away uh i quote the lord and the lord is god uh when i tell you that uh give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses so we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil the lord himself is telling you there is a daily and constant tension to your faith there is no guarantee of which side you are do you do you get the scarlet letter which mark do you have to be obsessed with that kind of thinking is counterfeit to the gospel live in that tension strive in that tension because the lord is there we'll come back we'll discuss the conflict between critical racist theory and a biblical worldview right here on blaze tv radio and podcast next New URL, but the same great product. It's one of our favorites, Built Bar. It is, uh, it's the end of the false choice between nutrition and taste. Particularly if you've got a sweet tooth like me and you're struggling with making healthy choices, how about a protein bar that's better than a lot of the candy bars that are out there on the market right now? You think I'm wrong, try it for yourself. Go to Built Bar at built.com, B-U-I-L-T, Tons of great flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate. Uh, just recently, they've had specialty flavors like grasshopper cookie, uh, banana nut bread, birthday cake. All right. Uh, they just had one for Father's Day, uh, caramel uh, uh, fudge brownie. I mean, these are absolutely phenomenal. I've got Aaron hooked on them now. Todd, who hates everything and everyone, he even likes these. Okay. So um, if you want to give it a shot, 15% off your first order right now. If you've never tried them before, now is the time. Get 15% off your first order right now when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T. And what do I mean, nutritious? It's not just the great taste, but even their, even their specialty really decadent flavors. Only 170 calories. Most of these bars are 130 calories or less. Five grams uh, or five net grams of carbs, sugar or less. You can't beat it, especially with how good they taste. Built.com is where you need to go now. B-U-I-L-T. Use the promo code DACE for Built Bar. Get 15% off your order for Built Bar at Built.com. Well, a while ago here on the show, we featured a really slick video on the life issue from the folks over at Debunked. You guys were in town. Yep. So we thought, hey, come by, swing over. And uh, Carl Kirby is here from Debunked. Good to see you, man. How are you? Thank you, brother. Very, very blessed. Thank you. So you recently did, this is timely, because you recently did a presentation on what I like to call critical racist theory, all right? And, and, and there's a story, I saw it this morning, this is like providential, because you were already going to be on the show here today before I saw this story in the Christian Post. But there's a story over in the Christian Post today about a pastor in Tulsa urging local churches to come up with like 200 large, 200 grand in reparations yeah. to surviving members of the Tulsa massacre, which took place a hundred years ago. Right. This is the hundredth anniversary of that. And I believe that's unbiblical to the core. All right. That the idea that 
someone I'm being asked that anyone would be asked to pay reparations for a, a vile crime or misdeed or sin or tragedy, uh, no matter how heinous, that you would be asked to pay reparations for something you didn't do, you didn't directly approve of, didn't directly cover up, didn't directly promote as good. Why, why you would be responsible for that on any level. Um, I, I just think that message is unbiblical to the core. And that the, the, the notion of what we call reparations is not really the narrative of the Bible. The narrative of the Bible is repentance mm-hmm. and redemption for yep. the purpose of restoration. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And, and to have to pay for something that this is not our fault. This is not something that we did. As a matter of fact, people today, for the most part, are going to say this is horrible. We acknowledge that. And we're trying to take and learn from that experience and move forward. But if you're constantly guilty of something that you've never done, you can never be restored. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I'm seeing is we're just driving a wedge in between people right now. And, uh, you know, they talk about critical race theory. I'm actually critical of race theory because when you start with the biblical uh, definition, there is no such thing as races. There's only one race, the human race. You, you look in the scripture, talks about tribes, nations, cultures, yes, but there's only one race, the human race. So if we're really ultimately going to deal with this issue, we're, we're going to have to go back to the biblical aspect of it because as long as we've allowed man's opinion to come into this, and quite frankly, there's a direct connection in my mind between this teaching of naturalistic processes over millions of years is how we got here. Mm-hmm. And that, by the way, is how we got races because you had uh, ape-like ancestors. Well, that's, that's what the descent of man is. is. Yeah. That's you, where that's, if, if, you know, first of all, you've been told the name of Darwin's book is Origin of Species. That's, mm, that's not the nope, name. Nope. It's the origin of species or the struggle for survival of favored races yep. is, is actually the full title of it. And then in his subsequent book, The Descent of Man, this is where Darwin understands that he has made through his own scientific inquiry, he is therefore, if we're going to take that at face value, you now have to adjust your own ethical system, That's your right. own moral system. That's and right. he he proposes a brand new moralistic framework for Western civilization yep. in response to this. And frankly, when you read the book, a lot of it is racist. Absolutely racist. That basically I, white people are superior. Yeah. Well, think of it. Uh, I showed the video today. I'm teaching a college class at Faith Baptist Bible College. And I showed the video today. How did you get the different races? According to the evolutionary model, I have the video. You sh- it shows ape-like ancestry evolved into the black folks in Africa. Some of those black folks in Africa ate fish, spurred brain development, so they got smarter. Then some of those smart black folk moved north to turn white. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like the most racist thing going. And by mm-hmm. the way, if eating fish makes you smart, I should be dumber than a brick, bro, because I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to eat. I'm going to stab, cut, chew. I don't want to spit bone. Mm-hmm. And smart, me- smart people leave the beach and move north where it's cold. Nah, mm-hmm. ain't happening. It doesn't make any sense, and it is racist, and their only answer is Jesus Christ. There's one race, the human race. We are each and every one of us created in his image, loved enough, as you were talking in your last session, that he came and died for us when we don't deserve that at all. There's nothing we can do for that. Is it possible that the point of CRTV, CRTV, the point of CRT (laughs) is for there not to be a restoration. Absolutely. For there not to be an absolution. For there not to yes. be a reconciliation. Yeah. Because really, when you look at the way the spirit of the age views history, it views history as really an exchange of power. 
All right, that that's its redemption arc. Yeah. That power is taken from oppressors and handed to the oppressed so that they can now become the oppressors. That's really the their redemptive arc of history within the spirit of the age. And CRT is just a hermeneutical, a, a exegetical application of that framework. And think about it. What does, what does the Word of God tell us what it's going to be like? I mean, I want it to be a utopia. I want it to be great again. But God tells us that before he comes again, it's going to be as it was before the judgment of the flood. And that was every thought was continually wicked. And you need these mechanisms to drive people apart. And this is absolutely, to me, one of those key mechanisms. You just look at over the last year, the anger, the level that, that's gone up, it's, it is absolutely destroying people. So when you attack this from a biblical worldview, yes, sir. what are one or two common themes or threads that you think an audience like ours needs to be made aware of because this stuff is infiltrating our churches as yeah. well. I say know the core of it, the origins of it, and the origins are, well, there's an interesting quote that I uh, took from a science fiction movie, and it's uh, The Fifth Wave. And, and, and in there, this young lady writes in her diary, how do you rid Earth of humans? You rid them of their humanity. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that quote, what struck me is, how do you rid humans of their humanity? You replace their history. Mm -hmm. If you and I are created in the image of God, fearfully, wonderfully made, literally knit together in our mother's womb, our value comes from the fact that God did what he said that he did the way that he said that he did it. But if you replace that history with naturalistic processes, where does your value come from? Well, your value comes from how pretty, how smart, how talented. And so one of the core issues I would say is that you need to understand who you are before this holy God. You're a sinner. You need a savior. His name is Jesus. And he loved you while you were rejecting him enough to come and die for you. And that is going to think that that is going to be the thing that gives us that value that we really are craving, quite frankly. And then how is that a contrast with what is the prevailing thoughts of CRT? Well, think of it now. It's it's just inherent in us. We are race is not a biological construct. It's something that is in the society that is dividing all of us and it's just inherent in the system the system itself is evil and i say that's wrong it is not inherently evil you have people who are evil you have good people and it doesn't matter what we look on the outside you've got a mix of people from all different backgrounds and cultures and all that sort of a thing i, I, I just never forget it's in the church as well, though, Steve. That's what bothers me. You, you talk about that church. I'll never forget. I was supposed to speak in a, I won't tell you where, but it was a place that they called up. The pastor called me so excited that I was coming. He said, man, I've never gotten get, uh, phone calls for guest speakers. I've had people call from three different states because you're coming. Ten minutes later, he canceled the speaking event because he found out that my wife is Japanese. And he told me, he said, Carl, I can't let you speak in my church because of my bylaws state that if I let a man in an interracial marriage speak in my pulpit, I'll be removed from ministry. Mm. As a pastor, what does the Bible teach? And if Christians can't get this thing right, you can't expect the world to get it right. Hmm. When, what are the biggest challenges you get when you push back on CRT? Well, the biggest challenges are definitely, the, there's the anger, the animosity, and it's because you just don't understand. Look at you. you. You just can't understand my plight. You can't understand my background, what's happened to me. And it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. Yes, I don't understand everything, but I know this. My wife and I have dealt with racism. My wife and I have dealt with the comments. My children have been called slant, nip, fish eyes. We've experienced that. But that is not inherent in the culture. That is in a sin nature. And there are people that are going to be sinning, and they're going to do these things. And the only way that we can overcome it is to recognize who we are before that God that made us. See, I think you just touched on an important distinction because— with what the with the spirit of the age is claiming is that 
at the same time, it says human nature is basically good. Mm. <laughs> it then says that we then create systems and ideologies that are systemically bad. Mm. How do you reconcile those two things? Right. You can't. Um, in, in philosophy, we therefore we would call this a fallacy. Right. All right. The, these ideas are not congruent whatsoever. All right. It's far more congruent to argue that inherently sinful people, still made in the image of a holy God, are even are even in their sinful state because of that God's holiness, still able to create things that are, despite their own terribleness, good for other people. Absolutely. It's far more easy to explain, I think, that moral calculus right. than it is the moral calculus that I'm not in need of a savior. I am basically good as I am, but therefore my species just went out and created all these oppressive systems and ideologies. Then then what about your basic goodness gave birth to all of this oppression? How yeah. would you reconcile those yeah, things? It's not. Hey, Steve, can I give you guys a gift? I know we're going to have to finish up here quick. Sure. And I brought you a gift that uh, I'm going to ask him to show up here. Because I like gifts. You've been such a blessing I've been to told us. that's my spiritual gift is receiving, <laughs> receiving gifts, gifts, that I'm great at it. You guys have been so kind to us <laughs> that's on the good. debunk thing. Yeah. We got our van out here, and I wanted to give you all just a little something there. And uh, I noticed I got you in the driver's seat, my friend. I appreciate that, but I'm much, I, I like being in the, in, in, no, that's a lie. I like being in the driver's seat. That's true. <laughs> you yes. are in the driver's seat, my friend. But thank you for being a leader in these areas and addressing. Look, man, I, I can't tell you the last time I've seen uh, a Christian that wanted to address the topic of predestination. That's kind of like, uh, yeah, next topic, right? Yes. And so uh, thank you for well, being No, just to clarify, I never said I wanted to. Okay. <laughs> but you did it. Yes. And that's a key. By the way, while you're here, yeah. I want to respond to an email follow-up I got to that conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, this is from Don in Illinois. And he says, doesn't God owe us the exercise of grace as that is the entire premise of his relationship with man? And I think this is, this is, an, this is, a, 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 this is a consequence of the fixation on our free will is, is framing the question this way. Mm -hmm. I think, Brother Don... I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's the fact that um, that God doesn't owe us any exercise of grace, that and He offers it anyway. Right. That establishes the entire premise of His relationship with us. It's not that He does owe us grace; it's that He does not. I think that's actually and he still what. Gives what? It to us. Yeah. That to me, I think that is what. Uh, emboldens and reinforces the integrity of of his of his relationship with us. When I'm sharing the gospel, I use wristbands that uh, a, a good friend of mine in the Philippines has a ministry that makes these things. And one of the th pieces that I'm always hitting with this younger generation, especially, is like it doesn't matter what you've done; it doesn't matter what's been done to you, because. Sexual abuse is rampant in our culture. Unfortunately, it matters what he did for you. There's not a thing we can do to deserve that grace, but he gave it to us anyway. Guys, all I know is I'll, I have to fall on my face before a holy God, but he picks me up, cleans me up, puts me in a new robe, puts a ring, calls me his child. There's nothing we can do to deserve that. We have to thank God for that. Carl, real quick, tell people where they can go if they want to watch more of you guys' videos and see what you guys do. Oh, man, thank you. You can uh, download our app. We've got a brand new app that is everything that I've ever produced digitally is going up there free of charge. So just go to your app store, look up reasons, plural, for, F-O-R, hope, and uh, look for the blue asterisk. And you can uh, download that. If you go to our website, rforh.com, you can get our website there. And if you want to get our debunked videos, that Steve, you've been so gracious with us on those, uh, you can get them before we release them to the general public by becoming a debunked defender. And all you have to do is text 
uh, a simple message to 51555. That's the uh, the recipient, 51555. And then you text the simple message of adios space Steve. And when you do that, you're going to get a link back. You hit that, you fill that form out, send it in, and you're going to get a link to all the debunks, all our PDFs. We've got all kinds of PDFs and stuff like that, a bunch of stuff. And you'll get the new debunks in the future before we release them to the general public. Well, if you remember the pro-life video these guys did that we shared with you about a month or two ago, uh, the rest of their videos are similar in in uh, in sleekness and 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 slickness. It, they're very well done presentations, so I'd highly recommend it. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Steve. Hey, uh, I think we learned one thing this year: uh, the more that we can take our own responsibility for our health and not trust the <coughs> experts. Uh, the better off we are. So if you are looking for a lot of homeopathic or preventative measures more than ever before, and if you're not, frankly, you should be. Uh, but if you are, I would suggest one that I use. Uh, it's Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, it's one of the top superfoods out there. 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables, all real USDA, organic fruits and vegetables. That means they're loaded with vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, the kinds of things that missing from a lot of our diets these days. Field of Greens help you put it right back in there. Uh, and, and those are great for building and uh, bolstering your immune system, heart health, everything else, metabolic health. Uh, if you want to give this a shot, you can use the promo code Steve, get 15% off your first order at checkout. With the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Again, that's BrickHouseSteve.com. Use the promo code Steve. Get 15% off. They've got new flavors now. Wild berry, lemon lime. You can try those too. Uh, BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve to get 15% off. Todd and Aaron. Did we ever figure out what we're doing for overtime today? I just had that thought a minute ago. Because it's, no, it's only like coming up in like five minutes. Yeah. We had to tape it. I guess we should have maybe had this conversation three hours ago. Aaron, you got a Mount Rushmore Aaron, what do you got? Yeah, 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 Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, bonus three questions. That's what everybody That's what everybody wants. We should maybe do that and just totally put Aaron on the spot and make him come up with something. Oh, that'd be fun. I'm gay. You Actually, we should maybe make you do it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you get to have tomorrow off. You don't have to work tomorrow. We do. I'm in. All right, so we're going to make you do that, actually. We're going to put it on you. Bonus three questions. Yeah, bonus three non-political questions. Got it. And you're going to literally have like two minutes to think about them because we start taping that right after we finish the show here in 30 seconds. Got it. All right, so blazetv.com slash days. That's where you can go. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, get a discounted subscription. If you are, you'll be able to watch the overtime there later today at blazetv.com slash days. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. For Feedback Friday and the Dace Group Roundtable, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.